Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate, and also new mom. Today, we're talking to strongman Rob Kearney, who is the only openly gay strongman in the world. Rob spent most of his childhood playing sports, specifically football. However, at 17 years old, while attending Norwich Free Academy, Rob found a new love, weightlifting and strongman. He quickly climbed the strongman ranks with his most impressive professional accomplishment thus far in September 2020, when he won the official strongman pound-for-pound competition, making him the strongest man in the world for his size. While Rob was launching his strongman career, he was simultaneously pursuing his bachelor's and master's degree in athletic training from Springfield College in Massachusetts. In between strongman competitions, Rob works as an athletic trainer at Palmer High School in Massachusetts, channeling his passion for building strength and health onto others. Rob came out as gay in 2014 and is an advocate for gay rights, especially in the world of fitness and strength sports. He works with his husband, Joey, to break LGBTQ stereotypes by demonstrating strength and power regardless of sexual orientation. In 2020, Rob was named Male Athlete of the Year by OutSports for his courage and work within the LGBTQ community. In this episode, Rob teaches us to set realistic goals that keep you motivated, his pre and post workout wellness routine, and how he turns daily hateful messages into fuel to keep him motivated, all while not feeling like he has to prove anything to anyone. Out of everything we discuss in this episode, the most powerful part of our conversation lies in how Rob shows us the ripple effect living in your truth can have, even saving lives at times. Now, before we get into it, just as a side note, while this episode is actually my first recording since going out on maternity leave, you will notice that future episodes may have been recorded while I was pregnant. So don't be fooled. I am not pregnant again. Now, enough about me. Let's get into our conversation with the inspirational Rob Kearney. Rob, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. We were just talking about this is my first recording since having our, uh, little boy Connor and I'm a little, you know, I was a little scattered, but this really gives me life. And I'm, I've been sitting on these questions for you for a couple of weeks now. So I'm really excited. Um, but welcome. And thanks so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you. No, this is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I give you credit for doing this with <laughs> six weeks there as yeah, well. Yeah. And if, you know, like we said, if we have a couple of interruptions or some screaming times, please forgive me. Um, <laughs> But, you know, before we dive into your story and, you know, how you got into strongman competitions, let's just lay the scene for everyone. What would you say? And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but what would you say was the toughest or heaviest thing you've had to, whether it's lift, pull, et cetera, just so people can like wrap their brains around what we're talking about. <laughs> um, so I would say probably the hardest thing was at World's Strongest Man in 2019. Um, when we got the list of events, we were told we were going to be doing a truck pull, which is not uncommon in my sport. Um, and then we show up and there's actually two monster trucks that are attached to each other because apparently one wasn't heavy enough. Um, <laughs> of course not, right? So One's light. Yeah. You know, so it ended up being, I think it was like 35 or 40,000 pounds total that we had to pull up a slight incline. Um, so that was probably the hardest thing, you know, one of the hardest things I've had to do since, since starting this sport. And how did it go? Not great. It's one, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my worst events and like, it's that and anything like throwing. So like keg tossing and stuff like that. Um, you know, like I'm sure we'll talk about it. So I'm actually the smallest competitor that does this at this level. Um, so while I am large by normal human standards, um, <laughs> I'm five foot 10, about 285 pounds. Uh, but I'm actually the smallest athlete. So events like truck pulling and, and throwing events, I'm just at a natural disadvantage because of my size. But Rob, you also kill it in other areas. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a pretty <laughs> track record. Um, in 2020, I was actually crowned the pound for pound strongest man in the world. Um, and then, you know, had a nice little run as, uh, you know, withholding some, some log press records in both the heavyweight and the middleweight division. That's awesome. Um, you know, small, but mighty, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, let's, you know, it's funny too. I just heard you say like keg tossing. I'm like, so does everyone have like it in their mind now? Like a few things of what you guys do, but, um, I'd love for you just to tell us a little bit about your story and how you got into strongman and just this whole other world really, because I don't, that's how I view it. You know, it's this whole other world and I can't imagine what it takes to be in that, but also how you find it you know, and what motivates you to want to keep doing it. So, you know, whatever you want to share, but I'd love to just hear your story. You know, I, I, I joke and I tell people, um, the reason I got into strongman is because I was bad at real sports. <laughs> um, I was, I was a mediocre athlete at best in high school. I was a football player, actually was a cheerleader as well. And, um, in the springtime would just lift weights to get ready for the next football season. And my senior year of high school, while I was working out at the school gym, a substitute teacher walked by, noticed that I was decently strong and enjoyed what I was doing. And he actually also happened to be a CrossFit coach. So he actually started training me. I would go to the gym at 5 a.m. before school um, and I would work out there and surprise, surprise, found out pretty quickly that I wasn't great at CrossFit either, but I was really good at lifting heavy stuff. And I walked into the gym one morning. It was a Tuesday morning. They said, Hey, you know, we found out there's a strongman competition around here on Saturday and we signed you up for it. Um, so up until that point, my experience with the sport was pretty much what yours was, right? It was seeing it on ESPN at some odd hour of the night, um, watching these behemoths of humans just lift these insane things. So I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Sounds fun. Um, I went to the contest, got completely annihilated, but had so much fun. And it really started me on this journey that I never could have imagined being a part of. Um, you know, I, I competed in the amateur ranks for a long time. I, you know, I started the sport in 2009 and worked my way up really through a bunch of different weight classes. So when I first started competing, I was actually competing in the under 200 pound division. Um, and then when I outgrew that, I went to the middleweight division, which is 231 and under. Um, and then we go heavyweight, anything above that. So I actually was kind of fortunate in the way I started the sport because I worked my way through the different amateur ranks to get to the level that I'm at now. And to be honest, like I really wasn't that good at strongman when I started either. You know, I, I took dead last in the first eight competitions I went to, um, you know, but for some reason, I just had this itch and this, this love for the sport already. You know, I think the coolest thing about strongman is I've been doing this sport for over 12 years now, and I have never once done a competition that has the same events. That's cool. You know, whereas like other sports, you know, it's, it's kind of run of the mill, right? You know, mm -hmm. during a game, you make adjustments based on whoever you're playing. Um, but every single contest I've ever done is different. And that's what keeps it exciting all the time. And so in 2013, I was fortunate enough to win the amateur national championship and got, you know, I earned my professional status as a, as a strong man. And then 2014 actually came out as the first and only openly gay professional strong man. Um, during that time I was competing in the middleweight division was decently successful, took second place in America's strongest man two years in a row um, 2016 went to worlds and finished in the top five and then decided to make the jump to the heavyweights, which is the competitions you see on TV. Uh, honestly, didn't know how it was going to go because when I started this sport, that was never my goal. It was never to be a world's strongest man competitor. Um, because I never thought I could, you know, we talked a little bit about my size, like the average size strong man that I compete against is anywhere between six, three and six, five, about 350 pounds. Um, so me standing, you know, five foot 10. And at that time I was about 270 pounds. I didn't even think it was possible. Um, but luckily I'm stubborn. So <laughs> I, you just kind of put my nose to the grind and really just worked my butt off to get to the point where in 2017, um, got my official invite to the world's strongest man competition that was being held in Botswana that year. And have been fortunate enough to compete at that level, um, you know, now for the past four years, you know, it's, it's been unbelievably rewarding and so exciting. And 
I tell people, you know, I have the coolest job in the world where I get to travel around the world and see all these amazing places. My husband gets to join me. And, you know, we've been all over Europe. We've been to South Africa. We've been to Africa, the Philippines, Australia. I mean, it's just given us this amazing opportunity to travel the world and and do something that I'm really passionate about. Oh my gosh. That's making, I want to be like, tell my husband, Hey, you should look into this. (laughs) Um, Okay. Lots of questions, Rob, just from what you said. One Do you think by you not thinking you could ever be in that heavyweight division, right? The world's strongest man. Do you think that actually helped you get there? Because you weren't like, I don't know. I just think about, I'm a very competitive person and I did play sports all throughout high school, still competitive now. And, um, that I feel like would deter me if I, if I wanted to reach a certain goal and it was taking me years and years and years. So you think that actually helped? I think it did, you know, because that's something I talk about, you know um, you know, when I do public speaking or, or anything like that, I, you know, the reason I've been able to be so successful is because early on in my career, when I wasn't good at this sport, I was able to just kind of take a step back. And what I realized was I needed to set these small attainable goals that I knew I could achieve. Um, and that would just keep me progressing in the sport. And at that time mm-hmm. it was just like, you know, my first goal in Strongman was don't take last, yeah. you know, it wasn't get to world strongest man. Right. Because like you had said, had that been my first goal, that's a really long journey to go on. And it's really easy to get deterred uh, from that goal. Once you have to face some kind of adversity, but if you have these smaller goals along the way, almost like stepping stones, you know, it just kind of organically happens. And that's really mm-hmm. what with my career. And, you know, I'm, I'm really fortunate that I, that I had the, the journey that I've been on in this sport because, you know, it gives me such a, such an appreciation for, for what I do. Yeah. And, you know, going back to, I just love what you said about my goal was just not to get last. And most people wouldn't say that, but what do you think in terms of you just loving the sport? How did that play into it? Cause that's something I think that gets lost with a lot of people, especially I have a lot of friends who are athletes or, you know, played competitively forever and they lost that love. And so then all it was about was winning and about that competition. And I mean, even I will say my husband, he played, you know, lacrosse throughout college and he got burnt out from it and he didn't love it anymore, but it was, it was all about winning the championship or just achieving these goals versus something like that. So what about like your love for the sport? Do you feel like that just kept you going? And that, like you said, the change of competition where it's just unexpected and, um, you know, that the next competition will never be like the one before. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, the fact that there is so much that goes into the sport in terms of preparation because there is such variability in the events that we can see. Um, yeah. And like it, I was given this opportunity, you know, I was, I really came up in the sport during college and you know, what I did was I drew a five hour radius from where I lived in Massachusetts and any competition there was in that circle I went to. So I got to meet so many awesome people throughout the sport. I got to see some really cool places, go on these awesome trips. And in doing that, it kept me, you know, kind of invigorated and excited for the sport at the same time. And the fact that I started so young and I was competing so often, every single time I went to a competition, I was learning more and more. And that's really what those first events were about. You know, I didn't have luxury of playing this sport while I was growing up, um, so, you know, I was kind of like, I was a newbie with all of it and, and learning as I went along. And I think that is definitely something that kept me excited, even though I was taking last place all the time, it kept me coming back. Yeah. And it just, you know, your story reminds you, or not your full story, but the part about you saying, like, I was just trying not to get last and that helped me through. It reminds me of, um, the U S open women's tennis winner this year, Naomi Osaka, right? Like she didn't even think she was going to make it in the competition. And she was just happy. I feel like to be at every match and then look how that turned out for her, you know? And that is, it's like, it's just something that I think oftentimes, which is very easily lost when 
you know, especially if you have a competitive nature, but to set those realistic goals, but maybe actually set them to the lower end and it improves your, I feel like it improves your focus, your mentality around it. Um, and I'm curious too, in terms of like the mental side of it, when you did come out, you said in 2014, right, Rob? Yep. How did that change? If it, if even if it did or didn't change the scene for you? Oh, it completely changed everything. You know, I mean, for me, here I am, you know, competing in arguably one of the most hyper-masculine sports in the world, where it's literally a bunch of men around weights trying to lift it up. Um, and, you know, I, at that point in my life, I was 22 years old and I was, I was living every day as somebody I wasn't, you know, like yeah. it was exhausting waking up every day and putting on this facade and having to, you know, be conscious of every decision you were, I was making at that time, right? Like how I was interacting with people, how I would speak, things I would say, uh, just, you know, basic one-on-one interaction with humans. Um, and we, so, I'm just going to pause you. Were you dating your husband at the time yet or still no, not yet? Not okay. yet. Um, I, you know, so at this point I was, I actually was dating a girl, um, and, you know, ended that relationship because I was having, you know, I was finally accepting myself, uh, for who I was. And once I met my husband, um, you know, not long after that, you know, I'd, I'd finally started to realize, okay, you know, I, I was accepting myself for being a gay man now, trying to wrap my mind about what my life was going to look like because I had always pictured myself living this heteronormative lifestyle. And obviously that was not the case anymore. And ultimately I, you know, was able to, when I did come out um, October of, of 2014, it was, you know, it sounds corny being a strongman, but it was such a weight off my shoulders because I didn't have to worry about pretending to be somebody I wasn't anymore. Now, all that energy that I was using to, you know, put up this facade every morning, mm-hmm. I can now transfer that into the sport that I was doing and help me progress along that way. Um, you know, and it was, it was kind of immediate actually, you know, I came out in October of, of 2014 and in March of 2015 actually broke a log press world record and was ranked fourth in the world. Um, you know, literally just five months afterwards or four and a half months even. So it was really just this unbelievably empowering moment where I had finally come to terms with who I was and was accepting myself. I was, you know, in this loving relationship with this amazing man and was getting the support I've always needed and wanted was finally experiencing like true happiness and, from there, it really just kind of bled into every part of my life. Oh my gosh. I mean, Rob, that's such a life lesson and parallel, right? That anyone can relate to is when you're finally living in your truth, but also like you said, having the support, feeling truly happy, which that's one of our missions on this podcast. It's not only help people be healthier, but happier because that plays a huge role in not only your health, right. But just like enjoying life and your success, even, you know, taking off some of that weight. I, I love that. you know, I love that. It's a little corny, strong, man. <laughs> it relates back to it too. Um, I'm curious and obviously, you know, there's been some time since 2014, but what's the greatest impact you'd love to have on your strongman community, but also, the LGBTQ community, you know, within it and outside of it? You know, I think, um, I never expected to be in the position that I'm in just by simply, you know, coming out and saying I'm in love with a man. Um, it was interesting, I guess. I, I mean, it was, it was a lot when I first came out. Right. Um, so when I first came out, you know, I, I posted it up on social media after telling my family and friends. And a friend of mine and Joey's got in touch and was like, you know, this is a really big deal. Like you're the, you're the first gay strongman, like a professional. Mm-hmm. Strongman. 
So we ended up writing an article about it um, and posted it up and it kind of caught fire really quickly. Um, and again, this isn't something we were expecting. I was, I was in this place where I'm in this relationship with Joey and, you know, I, I'm with this man who had been out since he was 17. Now he's in a relationship at 22 with somebody who isn't, who isn't out and still closeted. And I felt comfortable enough in our relationship where I realized that that wasn't fair for him. And that was a really big motivating factor for me to come out. So after this article gets posted, uh, within about 24 hours, things kind of caught wind pretty quickly and started spreading like wildfire. So next thing you know, I have emails from the Huffington Post. Um, uh, Perez Hilton was tweeting about us. Uh, TMZ wanted an interview. I mean, it literally just exploded in front of our faces. And like I said, you know, pretty immediately was kind of given this platform of, you know, I guess social justice in a way. And I think the most amazing thing that I've been able to do is it simply came from just being myself. And I think by kind of being so open about my relationship on social media and not hiding, you know, the fact of who I'm in love with and who I'm married with and celebrating our love. Um, you know, I have gotten some of the most amazing messages through social media about the impact that something as simple as that can have, whether it was from parents of LGBTQ plus teens who, you know, were kind of questioning their role in their child's life and how they could be a more supportive parent, um, or even accepting parent in some cases, um, you know, all, and all the way to some kids that have literally been contemplating suicide and, because they saw my profile and my relationship with my husband and me just being myself and being accepted, um, it stopped them from, from wanting to do that. And I mean, Rob, that's, I have to stop you there. That's huge. <laughs> yeah. Right. It, like that, when we talk about impact, that's yeah, I think impact. It's probably the coolest thing I've ever done and, and not purposefully. Yeah, no. So, I mean, it just for it to happen organically and and for me to get those messages, it's still, um, you know, like when I when I do these public speaking engagements, you know, I, I have this PowerPoint presentation and I always post an image of the first message I ever got like that. And literally every single time just like completely gets me. Um, oh yeah. I have the, I have the chills, you know, and it, yeah. it goes back to you finally, you living in your truth. And the ripple effect, and this can go for anyone, the ripple effect you can have on people. And, you know, it's just been, it's been such an empowering part of my journey. And like I said, something I never really expected. I never expected to kind of be put on this platform and be um, a voice for, for the LGBTQ plus community, both, you know, in strongman and just in general, I think the really cool thing is now with me being at the top level of the sport, being able to open the doors of the sport to the LGBTQ plus community, because from the outside looking in strongman is intimidating as hell. Uh, you know, you see these gyms with this loud music, whether it's heavy rap or rock or metal music, uh, all these people slamming these weights down. But at the end of the day, they're also some of the most welcoming places ever. Because in that space, um, you know, the, the weight room and everybody just has such an appreciation for, for you being there. And the goal of everybody in the gym is to better themselves. And at, when you walk in, when you walk through those doors, majority of the time, um, that's all anybody cares about. And it's, it's such a great environment and such an amazing community to be a part of. And when I did finally come out, you know, I think the thing is, you know, I'm really fortunate that I didn't really deal with much negative backlash. Um, I got a lot of positive, which was amazing. And the negative that I did get was from people that didn't understand the culture of strongman. And what I mean by that is strongman is it's a weird sport because you're competing against somebody, but cheering for them at the same time. And I think, especially at the level I'm at, we all understand the sacrifice and the work it takes to get to this level of the sport. And we just have such respect for each other. And it's been so cool that 
when I did come out and even to this day, when I still meet new people that, you know, my sexuality really isn't even a thought. It really is like, oh, you know, they give me a big hug uh, and they just casually ask, oh, is Joey here as well? And, you know, it's just like, it's just another piece of the puzzle and another part of the conversation. And the cool thing was, was those people and those friends of mine and those competitors that I have, they were the first ones to defend me if somebody was saying anything negative. So to have that support system was probably the coolest moment as well, just because I had realized the relationships that I have built in the sport and how much they actually meant. Did anyone else after you came out, Rob, within the community come out as well? Or are there, are there openly gay men in strongman or are you still one of the few? Um, I'm one of the few. So at, at, at the level I compete at, I am the only one still. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm still the, the only, the only gay man to compete at world's strongest man. Um, and some of the biggest competitions in the world, there are some other athletes that have come out, whether it's in the amateur ranks or, um, you know, athletes that haven't quite gotten to world's strongest man. Um, but you know, it's, it's always, it's amazing to see that just the sport in general has become more welcoming and more accepting. And, um, you know, I think the the coolest part about what I do is whenever I go to a competition, a lot of the people are excited about what spandex I'm going to be wearing uh, when I show up. So <laughs> it's great. It's great. That the focus is on now. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I love, I mean, I'm so happy to hear that everyone was so supportive, um, especially within that strongman community. Cause like you said, it's like a very masculine sport and you would, you would maybe think the opposite but let's talk about, cause I'm sure, you know, on social media, you know, really any social platform, the negative messages you do get from, you know, Joe Schmo and <laughs> anyone else, how do you deal with that mentally? Because I mean, I know just people in general, right. But also when you are in the limelight, you're going to get more, just as many good messages. You can get just as many negative messages. So how do you deal with that and kind of tune that out? Or if you don't tune that out, what do you do? Yeah. You know, I mean, the negative happens essentially on a daily basis at this point. Um, you know, whether it's through comments or messages or, you know, any, any other form of, of social media platforms. Um, and you know, to me, like it just adds fuel to the fire, right? Like for me, it's like, I see them, I choose to ignore them. Um, but for me, it's, it's, it's more motivation to succeed because at the end of the day, you know, there's no big, there's no bigger middle finger to that person than me winning. Right. Like, and I think that's just, that's always been my mentality. Um, I never take anything like that to heart. You know, I, I typically feel bad for those people because they're missing out on such a beautiful part of life. Um, and you know, my, I've always had kind of like had two sayings that it's easier to love than hate. Um, and then, you know, another one that, that I live by is always be, are always proud, never scared right? Like no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with, I'm always going to be myself and authentically myself. And I really could care less what other people think about it. No, I'm so glad you said that. And you know, it is true. It's like the hate that people give off a lot of the times, right. They always say like, when you're pointing the finger, there's four pointing back at you. And it's unfortunate. I'm glad you brought up the fact too, that yeah, it's most likely hate within themselves and for themselves. And I love how you put, they're just missing out on a beautiful part of life. They're missing out on the happiness that you found after living in your truth. And I just, I think of so many, you know, whether it's young girls or boys that are so enveloped in social media and do get negative messages, taking that and listening to what you said about turning into fuel to I don't want to say prove everyone wrong, right? Because we shouldn't have to prove ourselves, but just taking it as fuel to fuel your own happiness, I think is a, is a good way to put it. Um, and that's where, would you say like in terms of just motivating you each day? Cause when we think about which Rob, if you can even just run through a few things that in these competitions you guys have to do, you know, we talk about the motivation coming from whether it's those messages. Um, but do you ever get burnt out from having to, you know, and like, I'll let you answer, you know, the question of what you have to lift or do during these competitions, but does burnout ever happen for you? Um, 
You know, I think burnout definitely, it was an issue um, a few years ago. And it was just because I had put this unbelievable pressure on myself to feel like I just had to be consistently competing and traveling. And and again, like kind of like proving myself that I deserve to be at this level of the sport. Um, I've had kind of like a tumultuous year in terms of, in terms of my health, you know, so uh, a year in two days will be my one year anniversary of tearing my tricep. Um, so I did that while attempting a record. Uh, and then about four, four months ago was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So really just like the past year has put a lot of things into perspective for me. Which Rob, for everyone, you are in remission, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Just so people don't get scared. I mean, I know that, but (laughs) yeah, no. So luckily we caught it stage one, had surgery. Um, you know, so now we're just monitoring to make sure nothing new pops up, but you know, in the past year, it has helped me put into perspective, you know, really what is important in this sport and, you know, to, to talk about what we kind of do. Um, so I do have a competition coming up in about three and a half weeks, Um, some of the events that we're going to be doing include a max deadlift. Um, so just literally deadlifting as much weight as possible. Um, my previous best is 970 pounds. Um, so (laughs) I don't know if I'll quite be there for this contest, but my goal is something over 900. That's the plan. Um, we have to press dumbbells over our head with one arm up to 300 pounds with one arm overhead. Uh, we have to do an event called the wheel of pain, which sounds super inviting. Um, it is actually a replica from the movie Conan the Barbarian, where Arnold is pushing this massive implement in a circle. Uh, so one of the equipment companies actually replicated that, and we have to push a 20,000-pound wheel in a circle for as far as possible in 60 seconds. Um, we have to carry 1,000 pounds on our back for about 70 feet, um, and then lift a bunch of stones that go up to 420 pounds. So that's my oh neck. My that I have and do. do they, do they tell you guys ahead of time, Rob, to help prevent injury so people can like prepare or what's the reasoning for telling you ahead of time? Uh, depends on the competition, right? So there's some okay. events where we get, where we get the, where there's some competition where we get the events anywhere between eight and 10 weeks prior to the competition happening. Um, and some of them are a little bit less organized <laughs> and we get them a lot closer. Uh, but Yes, uh, in short is is the answer for that because you know I actually have a sports medicine background. I'm a certified athletic trainer, um, and you know a big thing, a big part of my day to day job is injury prevention, and that is a huge part of the athletes being able to get the in the events before the competition happens. Just because the weights that we are lifting are quite literally bone crushing, um, so to give the body enough time to adapt to those weights that need to be lifted during the competition. Uh, there needs to be some time for that to occur. And there are some competitions that they don't think that way. Um, you know, we sometimes get the events a week or a couple of days before the competition happens. And in those instances, that's where we see, um, some pretty devastating injuries. And, you know, fortunately for this competition coming up, we, we've got the events about six to eight weeks prior to the competition happening. So luckily all of us will be primed and ready to go come competition day. Do you find Rob that if certain competitions or whether it's you or actually other competitors where it is those competitions that they're only giving you like a week's notice or, you know, less time than the six to eight weeks that they just won't do those because of injury? Um, unfortunately, no, because of the, the culture of the sport of strongman, you know, I think while strongman has gained popularity over the past couple of years, we're still kind of clawing and inching our way up to try to get into the limelight a little bit. Um, so I feel like athletes in general in the sport, we just have this overwhelming sense that we have to go to these shows regardless of what the events are, when they happen or when they tell us. Uh, just to kind of always stay relevant and to keep pushing the sport forward to the popularity that we think we deserve. So it's it's like for the better of the sport, yes. you know, putting you guys at risk though. That's yeah. interesting, but I, I'm really glad. I mean, I knew you had, um, you know, an athletic training background and I want to kind of switch gears and talk about recovery, how you get ready for competitions, et cetera. But let's, let's start with recovery. Um, how do you get your body, especially in between competitions 
back to kind of that baseline and feeling good, what are some different things you do for recovery or recommend to other people? Um, I mean, the biggest thing, honestly, is it's consistently um, preparing yourself, I think, you know, I think is the biggest thing. A lot of people, you know, after these events, our bodies are beat down and broken. Um, but one of the the worst things that people do is they end up taking an extended period of time out, out of the gym. Right. And, but extended for me is more than four days. Um, and I think a lot of, you know, some athletes, especially when they get into the sport of strongman, they feel like they have to like take the week off after a competition. And that just, you know, I kind of live by the saying motion is lotion. And, um, mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you just kind of become stagnant and not doing anything that, that soreness is just going to creep in and you're going to, you know, you're going to feel it a little bit more. Um, that lactic acid's going to build up. You're not yeah, getting rid of it. <laughs> exactly. And then, you know, it just kind of sets a tone, I guess, you know, for going into the next contest. And, you know, for me, it, it really is just kind of basics. It, it's sleep is the, is the most important thing for me. Um, I, I try to stay to as regular of a sleep schedule as possible uh, nutrition and supplementation. And then, then I look at like extraneous things like body work, um, you know, having deep tissue massage, cupping, Graston, all that stuff done. Um, you know, trying to do actually sauna sessions as regularly, regularly as possible. Um, so doing stuff like that, you know, is really what's helped me along in my recovery journey. And, but staying on the, I guess the biggest thing that helps me in, in being able to use my, my sports medicine background is preventing anything before it becomes an issue, you know, and that's, that's kind of one thing I've been able to do pretty well throughout my career. Granted ruptured my tricep a year ago, but that was one of those instances that regardless what I was doing, it was probably going to happen. Um, there's not much prevention that can happen when, when, when an injury like that occurs. But for me, I, and able to have this kind of connection with my body that if something doesn't feel right, I know I should just back off and work around it and, and move on to something that I can still make a productive training session out of instead of working into an injury. Yeah, no. And that's, I mean, I'm so glad you said sleep. It's like your number one. And I want to dive into what your how you keep to a sleep schedule, what that is. And then you talked about nutrition and supplementation and, um, we'll go there next, including hydration, because that's a big one. But let's first start off with what your sleep schedule is like and how you make sure to adhere to it, especially when you're also really busy. <laughs> um, so for me, it's, you know, I try to be in bed by 10 o'clock every night and then waking up anywhere between six and six thirty. Um, that's pretty much my normal schedule, whether, you know, regardless of the day of the week, whether it's a weeknight or a weekday or a weekend, um, you know, so that's always been pretty consistent for me, um, and just helps my body regulate the sleep a little bit better. And, you know, it really is pretty awesome that, you know, I've been doing this for, for a while. And like just last night I had a a late hockey game that I had to work, um, and ended up not getting home until almost 1145. And like clockwork at like 10 Oh five, like I felt the yawns coming on right away. I'm like, well, I should be in bed right now. Um, (laughs) so, and Rob, do you know a fun fact? Do you know the benefit of being in bed by 10 PM? I don't. So with our sleep cycles, we spend, so we have two deep sleep cycles, stage three and stage four. Stage three is your restorative. So like restoring your muscles, right? Like your immune system really, and even just your cells and your body. So during that period of time, stage three, we spend the most time in stage three between the hours of 10 PM and 2 AM. So every time you creep further past that 10 PM, you lose some of that stage three sleep. So just a little motivating factor like to like keep that. it going. And I love that you're doing like, you know, at 10 to six or six 30, because anywhere between seven to nine hours of quality sleep, right. If you're not waking up like throughout the night, it's like spot on. So you just, you set everything perfectly. I'm totally <laughs> using that piece of information on my high schoolers mm-hmm. that I work with. You should a hundred percent gets a bet earlier. Yeah. And let me know, Rob, if you want, we have like a whole PowerPoint on it and stuff like that. <laughs> if you want me to send it to you, but it's, it's really fascinating when you look at the different stages of sleep and what they achieve. Um, you know, we talk about on another episode, um, Chris Moore, who, 
is fabulous. He's, he's a dietitian as well. Um, like myself, but he's like really into stress and sleep and stage four, which is your other deep, your REM sleep, your rapid eye movement sleep. If you have alcohol still in your body or caffeine, your body physically can't dream. And that's a stage that you dream. And we, we want to dream. It helps with our deep sleep, but what can happen too, is then your body, if you come off of that alcohol, like you finally metabolize it out, your body tries to catch up. And that's when you can have like the wacky dreams. You wait, you almost, you wake up maybe your alarm clock and you're still in the middle of a dream, things like that. But it's, there's so many interesting things about sleep, but your schedule is perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be sure to let my husband know you said I'm perfect. Yeah, no, exactly. (laughs) Um, Let's dive into nutrition. I mean, obviously that's my love as a dietitian. And I want to know kind of like what pre-workout looks like post-workout kind of your day to day. And if supplementation is in there, um, and the timing of that, like when it's in, cause I think that's something that's often missed too, is your timing of your meals, your timing of your supplementation can just help, right? I'm not going to say it's completely better than, you know, another time of day, but it can definitely help. You know, so for me, you know, it's always funny because the question I always get is how much do you eat? And, you know, as, as a professional strongman, like it's, it's a good amount of food, but I don't, you know, compared to the guys that I compete with that are much larger than me, it's a smaller amount, you know? So calorie wise on a, on a rest day, I'm typically around 4,500. Um, and then on a training day, depending on what I'm doing, it's between six and 7,000 calories. And, that's mainly because on my weekend training, um, I could sometimes be at the gym for up to eight hours getting my, you know, you getting, need my, it. getting in, um, in terms of food sources, you know, I try to be as, as natural as possible, right. You know, I, will I do a protein shake every here and there just because of time? Yeah. Do I like to not really, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a basic meat and potatoes guy, you know, I mean, it really is just beef, chicken, um, rice, potatoes, and veggies, you know, that's kind of my go-to, um, you know, the nice thing about being a strong man is with my nutrition coach, I get to eat some dirty calories every week just to, just to keep up with the energy expenditure that I'm doing, yeah. you know, in my training and in my everyday life. Right. Because while I am a full-time professional strongman, I still also work a full-time job as well. So being able to work around those schedules is really important. Um, I am one of those. What are your go-tos with those, Rob? As f- in terms of like when you called them dirty calories, Oh, I'm, I'm like a burgers, fries and a chocolate shake. Dude, like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's my go-to. Um, you know, so for me, it really is, it can get difficult to get all the food in because I typically do train in the evening after work. Um, for me, it's just something that I found works out better. You know, I, have this weird thing where I can't get motivated to deadlift like 850 pounds at 8 a.m. Just this weird, you know, thing that happens. So. <laughs> yeah, so casual. I don't, right? Yeah, I don't think I have that motivation either. Um, so for me, you know, the the food actually ends up not being too much of an issue because I essentially get to eat for a full day before I train, which is really nice. Uh, so I have, you know, my glycogen stores are built up. I, I've been eating good all day. Um, you know, I mean, every single meal has anywhere between one and two cups of carbs, whether that's, or well, mainly one or two cups of rice or two to four cups of potatoes, depending on the calories for that meal. Um, you know, and, and meat is typically around 10 ounces per meal. So they're decent sized meals, um, but nothing too crazy. Um, and then I always try to mix vegetables in with every single meal, you know, whether that just be something as simple as green beans. Um, I'm on this, I'm on a cauliflower kick right now. Um, and then I, I'm like a sauce guy when it comes to just, you know, I'm one of those people, like I, I'm a whore, I would be a horrible bodybuilder because I need my food to taste really good. Um, so my husband always cracks up because every time we go to the grocery store, I'm always going down the condiment aisle to see what new came out, what I can grab. Um, so you look in our fridge and the door is just stacked with different sauces and condiments just because, you know, for me, I know that's what I need in order to get the calories that I need to fuel my training session at night. The flavor and the flavor and the fat, right? Absolutely. Like, that's what you need. And, um, it makes me think about 
my husband and I were just talking about like, what are we going to have for dinner tonight? Cause that's always, especially now with a six week old, it's like, all right, we got to prep it like in the morning. And it is, it's all about the sauce. Like we're like, all right, what, what sauce do we want to use? And then adding in, which I'm sure Rob like helps you, but adding in like coconut milk to the sauce or something with that extra fat, just to get you those calories. Cause while people listening may be like, Oh, that's awesome. He gets to eat 4,000 calories a day. It's like, no, no, no. It's, it's hard. It's, it's work to have to eat that much and you have to be on it. And without like those fats and those extra flavors, it would be really difficult to reach that amount. Yeah. I mean, if I was hitting a McDonald's every meal, 4,000 would be a breeze to hit. Um, but you know, I mean, spending the time cooking and prepping and getting everything ready for, for, yeah. you know, 45 to 6,000 calorie day is a lot. Um, you Do know, you prep in advance? yeah, typically, um, I typically like to cook like Sundays, Wednesdays. Um, nice. and you know, we try to, you know, fortunately my husband meal preps with me as well. So we try to, like when we're doing it, we kind of go all in. So it's like we, we cook all the food and then every Tupperware we have, we try to just at least portion our meals out for as many days as possible as our Tupperware allows us to. Yeah. Um, and that this way it's just grab and go, you know, right. So like, if you're in a pinch, you can just take a meal out, throw it in the microwave. You don't have to worry about measuring. You don't have to worry about weighing and everything like that. Uh, so we try to be pretty good about that and getting it done all at one time. And that just makes life easier to keep you on track. For sure. Do you know, Rob, I'll give you another, uh, but you may know this one. Um, with your potatoes, if you meal prep them, you, you right, you cook them, they're hot, then you cool them in the fridge. Do you know the benefit of eating them after that? I don't. Okay. So potatoes, after they're cooked and then cooled, and then you, even if you reheat them again, it builds up resistant starch in them, which is basically like a prebiotic for your gut. It's really good for you. Like green bananas are a huge resistant starch food too, but it's basically the, the food for, you know, probiotics feeding in your gut. It's just, it's amazing for your gut. So every time you reheat those potatoes, know that you're also doing amazing things for your digestive system. I mean, I love potatoes, so I'll take it. Yeah. It's great too. It also, you don't with resistant starches, you process the carbs differently because basically it sits in your gut. So that may be why too, when you say you actually need to use more potatoes than you do rice just to fuel, it's probably because a lot of it, it's turning into that resistant starch and more so sitting with your gut to feed that good bacteria in your gut versus being used as glucose for fuel. Gotcha. Yeah. I like it. Okay. I know we're getting lower in time, but I do really want to hit on, su- let's talk supplementation and hydration. Yep. How do those fit in? Do you use, like, I'm really big in terms of hydration. I think so many people are scared of sodium, but not realizing that like we need salt to retain hydration. So like, I'm a huge electrolyte packet person. And I notice the days that I just have water and I'm still dehydrated. Yep. So let's touch on all those things. So I'm like one of those people that I actually don't enjoy just drinking water. Um, it just gets, it gets boring to me. Like unless it's hot out, I really don't feel the need to, to really drink water. Um, so I'm a big BCAA guy, you know, anytime I can get branched amino acids into my, into my water, that's kind of my go-to. Um, you know, so I, I try to do anywhere between a half gallon, three quarters of a gallon of water every single day. Um, on training days, it can be more just, you know, because of what I'm doing in the gym. But typically when I have like my little half gallon jug, like I'll, I'll throw a couple of scoops of BCAs in there just to, you know, flavor for me is everything, you know, as we talked about with the food and, you know, being able to have, you know, like some kind of grape juice is kind of nice while you're, you know, sipping and sipping on throughout the day. Yeah, for sure. And it's, you know, something too, that I think is often missed. And with a lot of people going on lower carb diets, the good thing is for you, Rob, because you're taking in so many carbs and your glycogen stores are larger too, you can actually retain more water. Whereas for anyone listening, that's on a lower carb diet, not completely no carbs, but even just lower, your body doesn't retain as much sodium. So you actually can't retain as much hydration. Um, so it's just interesting. Like everyone has to play around with it. 
Um, but I'm curious to then how supplementation, where that fits in, um, how you found if it benefits you and when, when you take certain supplements. Um, so for me, I'm kind of like a, a morning guy when it comes to supplements, right? So like on our windowsill here in our kitchen, like we have them all kind of lined up and ready to go for everything. So you can see them? Yeah. So I don't forget. Like it's right yeah. next to our curing. So I know it's coffee and supplements yep. in the morning. Um, you know, so right now kind of my go-tos are, you know, omegas every morning, um, vitamin D, vitamin B, yeah. um, uh, CoQ10 actually every morning. Um, I'll mix in awesome. Usually I'll actually mix in collagen with my BCAs, um, throughout the day. And, um, you know, those are kind of like my go-tos. And then I also do, um, you know, I will take, especially on training days, do a CBD supplement or something like that, just help with inflammation and, and recovery on that end as well. Um, I think that's it. I'm like trying to peek over there. No, I love it. I was going to say recovery wise, Rob, I would also try a magnesium at night. Maybe if you're doing your CBD at night, it's just so amazing for muscle relaxation. Well, so magnesium helps with muscle contraction and relaxation, basically just help your muscles work better, but it really helps them relax. So also just before bed, like I take it before bed, just cause it's nice. You do get this like calming feeling and you can take it like an hour or two before bed, but it does just help while you're sleeping to help with that recovery. I mean, you need some muscle recovery with what you do, I guess. Um, but helps. that's like, I will say magnesium is one of my favorites, especially before bed. Easy enough. Yeah. Right. It's, it's easy enough. And magnesium glycinates, the one you, you want to look for just in terms of forms, because there's a lot of different forms. Um, but it also, which I enjoy the part of it too, it not only helps to, or supports to help kind of calm the muscles in your body, but also your mind. So like, if you're having those nights where like things are just racing and you, you're going through your to-do list for the next day or whatever it is, it helps with that too. Um, so that's, that's just one such, I'm such a magnesium junkie. Like, I feel like I'm telling everyone to take magnesium <laughs> I love and it. people oh, listening true. to the podcast are like, Oh, here she oh, goes again on her magnesium. <laughs> rant. Um, but it is just so great. Uh, okay. So last question before we get into, we have a little rapid fire Q and a at the end. Great. Are there any other things, Rob, that we didn't touch on that are just some daily wellness non-negotiables for you? Um, honestly, something so simple is every morning, um, my husband and I wake up and like just our morning routine, it, it pretty much just has to be the same. So we wake up, like he gets ready, you know, me being an athletic trainer, I actually don't go into later in the day. Um, so my mornings are kind of flexible. Um, but he leaves for work around seven o'clock. So, or seven 30. Um, so we wake up he'll usually get ready for work. I'll come downstairs, make coffee, get his lunch ready. And then we honestly, we sit together, um, and just drink coffee for the first, like 15, 20 mm-hmm. minutes in the morning. Um, and just like having that every morning, just knowing like, that's how you're going to start your day. It just, um, you know, for me, it's, it's never a negative. And it's just one of those things that, you know, on the weekends, it looks a little different because we'll just lay on the couch for a little while instead of sitting at the kitchen table. Um, but yeah, that's just, it's one of those things that just has to happen every morning where we just kind of sit, enjoy the morning, drink our coffee. Um, you know, usually like we, we talk each other through our day just so we kind of have an idea of what the hell's going on. Cause both of us are pretty busy. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's a nice little routine that we have just to start the day off. And yeah, it sets the tone for the day. I'm a big, big morning routine person. Yeah. Like I have to go for a walk unless it's like, you know, downpouring or, but just going for a walk, getting in nature. And like you said, yeah, sitting with my husband discussing like, all right, what's your schedule like today? What's your schedule like today? Now it's like, what's Connor's schedule? Like (laughs) we have to work around that, but no, I mean a morning routine and just time to, I always like to say like, take over your day versus being reactionary to your day. I've had so many clients where they're like, I wake up, I get my coffee and I start to answer emails and I'm like, no, 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 no. Because then, right. You're taking on other people's days yep. and putting them on yourself. So I love that. Okay. Let's get into our rapid fire. Let's do it. They know we're getting close out of time. So first thing that comes to mind, 
What is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Sauna. I really want a home sauna. That's my. We're getting. We're getting next. Oh, we just, we just moved into our new place. Which one so. are you getting, Rob? Are you getting infrared um, or like what do you guys? Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna go infrared. Okay. Um, nice. Super excited about it. I'm yeah. so jealous. <laughs> That's like my next big purchase. Put it in our backyard. Um, okay, coffee or tea? Coffee. Do you put anything in it? Like, how do you take your? Coffee? Um, usually just a little bit of sugar just to cut the bitterness, but drink it black. Love it. And my personal favorite, what is your favorite home-cooked meal? It could be something you make or a family member makes, whatever. Oh, chicken pot pie. Oh, that's, that's Love it. one of my favorite things to make. Do um, you make it or does someone else make it? I make it. Oh. Um, yeah. So I'm, I love to cook. Uh, and, you know, that was one of those things that like growing up, I just always loved it. And, um, you know, that's always like our that's one of our go-to like crappy day meals. You know, if we know we don't have anything going on, um, we just want to like kind of cuddle up and watch movies all day. Yeah. That's usually going to be the go-to that we make. Do you go by like a certain recipe or do you just like have it in your head and pretty much just have it in my head? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I will say I'm cheap. I get pre pre-made, uh, pastry dough. I'm not, <laughs> I don't I mean, make who it. Do- who does it? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, sometimes I, I like switch it up with the types of veggies that I use. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so love, versatile. Yeah. I mean, I, I always use like cream of mushroom soup. It's not healthy whatsoever. It's just one of those feel good foods. I added yeah. to it last time, which was just so fabulous. Um, actually Rob, that's a great meal for you to try and hit your calorie goals without with still getting sure. vegetables in, still getting carbs in, um, yeah, no, I think it's great. You know what we actually made, if you're ever looking to do it like a different way, we made a shepherd's pie and did the topping instead of doing like, right, like having a pie crust, we did, um, oh, what was it? Oh, celery root puree, which you could also do potatoes, but they're starchy too. Yeah. But oh my gosh, Rob, the flavor, like, and you just cook them like you would a potato. You peel them. They're so good. And actually Andrew just popped in and said, or cauliflower puree too, but like just doing, and then that way you don't have to have them also on those dates, right? You can just mix it in. And that's great to have in the fridge to just like keep heating and cooling throughout the week. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Rob, well, we are out of time. Um, cause I know you are a very busy guy, but I would love for you to just share with everyone, like where they can find you connect with you. Um, and get more information and inspiration from you. Pretty easy to find, um, you know, on Instagram at worlds underscore strongest underscore gay. Um, if you search pro strongman Rob Kearney, I'm kind of going to pop up everywhere, whether that be on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. On YouTube at World Strongest Gay as well, and worldstrongestgay.com is my website. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rob. And if you ever write down that recipe feel free to send it over <laughs> i will I my husband's a big chicken pot pie fan and i <laughs> never really make it um so i will take all the help i can get but oh, thank you so good. much and good luck in your competition thank you. um hopefully i want to kind of try and time this up hopefully we can have this air right around then um and where actually that was one question for you if people wanted to follow along in the competitions like Will, will it be on TV? Can they stream it? Or where can they watch the competitions? So the competition that I'm going to is called the Rogue Invitational coming up in Austin, Texas, Halloween weekend. Oh. Uh, my competition will be that Friday and Saturday, the 29th and 30th. Um, it will it will be live streamed on the Rogue Fitness YouTube page. And then it will okay. also be aired at a later date on CBS. Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. going to be fun. Halloween weekend, Austin and post competition. Oh, <laughs> could get a little crazy. Um, well, I won't keep you any longer, but thanks so much, Rob. And hopefully we'll connect again soon. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Kate. There are so many positive lessons we can take away from my conversation with Rob, but the one I want you to focus on is trying to be as truthful to yourself each day as you possibly can to help lead you to greater internal happiness, but also to initiate that daily positive ripple effect. 
Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can watch every episode of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. If you want to know more about me, you can follow along with me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, which a lot of it is now of my son, Connor, but also providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.